this man, Onyx, one of the smartest people I know when it comes to finances, when it comes to taxation, even when it comes to, to guns. He's a board member of the NRA, but when it comes to school choice, it's uh, Grover Norquist. Grover, how are you? Good to see you. I'm doing well. Good to be with you, John. It really a, pl- a pleasure to have you on. Americans for Tax Reform is the organization. You're the president. ATR.org. Go there and check it out. I wanted to talk about Cloward and Piven. I brought this up on my show a lot of times. I'd never heard of it before Obama took office. When Obama was in office, for some reason, we added 48 million people to entitlements. And I thought to myself, self, why are we doing that? Why would we disincentivize work? Why would we have people be reliant on the government? What exactly are they trying to do? And if you go back and read this article by a couple of professors from the 60s, I think, Cloward and Piven, they talked about bankrupting our system and then starting fresh, basically with socialism. Did I encapsulate it right? Is that what this is? Yeah, that's exactly what Cloward and Piven were advocating. They were looking and saying, if we... uh, the left, swamp the welfare rules. If we told everybody, go in and tell them you need welfare, just anything you need to sign up once, twice, three times, uh, because we will bankrupt the system. And if we break it, maybe then we can be the guys who pick up on the rubble. Uh, And there are several ways this works. One is you can bankrupt New York City. You can bankrupt major cities, make them unlivable. But also every time you get, there's also a pull. When Obama was in, the government went out and reached and grabbed people and said, come here. You didn't know, but you should have uh, food stamps and you should have things. And so people who were working were told, no, 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 you don't have to work. We'll give you cash. You do that to somebody for several months several years and how long will it be before they ever think about entering the real labor market they will stay on welfare and i mean too many people will be crippled by their efforts and you know what those people need they need someone to help them because the government made them unemployable because they gave them money for months and years and years and so on and there's only one place for them to go and that's to vote for the democrats who'll give them more welfare it is in the interests of the country uh to have everybody work that can for their own self-respect, for their own self-autonomy, yeah. uh, and so that they don't steal other people's money uh, through the government. And for the American dream, and for equal opportunity, and for yeah. self-reliance, and and to be able to move up. If you're stuck in Section 8 housing, and food stamps, and Obamacare, you're never, ever, ever, never going to reach the heights that you possibly could have otherwise if you weren't held down by that thumb. So was Obamacare a part of that? And was uh, Obama giving them cell phones and maybe a couple of bucks? Was that all part of this too? Absolutely. That was, first of all, the more programs you have, there are over 150 welfare programs, programs that are means tested. You get it because you show up and you're poor, not because you paid for it like Social Security or Medicare. Yeah. But you, I, I'm poor, give me cash, give me a, give me uh, more education, give me uh, health care, give me this, give me that, uh, food stamps. And th- they want more people dependent on the government because those people have to look to the government and the party of government, which is the modern Democrat party, uh, for more cash. And to get that cash, they have to deliver votes uh, and political support. It's a very expensive way to buy an election, uh, but it is the chosen path of the party of the welfare state. And they don't, we've all heard stories about people who parents were on welfare and on, in Section 8 housing, and they made it. The reason yeah. those stories so endearing is they're so rare that people escape the gravity of poverty created by too much government. 50 years into the Great Society, when John F. 
John F. Kennedy. How about uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson? Yes. Said, we're going to make everybody, we're going to end poverty by writing checks. Okay. If we give you money, like an income for the middle class, you'll behave like the middle class. No, it's the work that makes you behave like a middle class person and the going to work and the waking up in the middle of the, you know, in the morning to, to get this done, not getting the check. That doesn't, <laughs> that's not what makes right. gives you middle class values. Um, you know, the, the, the left has been at war with that for a long time. And it's an important, they finally, after 50 years, gave up on the idea they were going to cure poverty. They quit saying that. That's what Obama did. He said, you know what? The new challenge, not poverty, we're tired of trying to help poor people. We can't help them. We can't do anything for them except extend their challenges. Right. But we can do something on inequality, which doesn't require that any poor person do better. You just have to shoot five or six people at the top, and then everybody's more equal. If you if you tear down, you know, people who create businesses and start restaurants and uh, and are entrepreneurs, then the difference between the person with nothing and the person who's earned a bunch of stuff that goes down. So it's easy to say we've reduced inequality. Every time there's a recession and the stock market goes down, you reduce inequality. Yeah, right. Just make everyone worse off. Everybody worse off. Yeah, it is uh, Grover Norquist. He's the president of ATR.org, uh, Americans for Tax Reform. What's interesting is we're at 31. It's going to be 32, maybe $32.5 trillion in debt soon. Are we close to going broke? And if we do go broke, what's the mechanism in place to reset everything? How do you do that? You just tell the debtors we're not going to pay you back and then everybody gets the same slice of bread and the same income and the same transportation? How does it work? In, in, in theory, I get it, but how would they put it in place? Well, if if a country goes bankrupt, uh, you have a situation where, like Al, um, Argentina, which more than once has gone bankrupt and, and defaulted on to its creditors, uh, and then people don't lend it money and people don't want to work with it because you can't trust it, uh, the government. Um, uh, you have the Weimar Republic, which inflated its way out of that debt, right. but into a totalitarian system. Uh, nothing good comes from an impoverished government. Only bad things come from it. Very little does a government hit bottom and stop drinking. Usually they hit right. bottom and, and keep doing all the stuff they were doing uh, just from a worse position. Uh, I think we will avoid that, but it's going to take a lot of work. But, Grover, why do you think the Republicans are attacked so heartily when they simply say, sure, we'll do more Medicaid, we'll do more food stamps, we'll do more Section 8, but you got to go and do something for us. you got to go and work. You've got to yeah. go into, if you show us that you can work, you're able-bodied, you can go and work, we're happy to give you some money. We're literally paying you for the job that you're doing, whereas the left wants everybody to sit home and collect it. Well, because the left knows that if 100,000 people take the Republicans up or a million people take the Republicans up on going to work and getting benefits along with going to work, those people grow up and become Republicans. Gotcha. And they would rather have them impoverished and not working and voting Democratic. Yeah, it is It is such a, an upside-down world. When I was growing up, I started working at 12. You seem like a guy who probably started working early as well. I saw my dad working three, four jobs, my mom working a job or two, still somehow supporting you know, a family of six. And, and here I am with five kids, and, and I've always worked two, three, four, five jobs just because I know that in America I can succeed. And then when I tell other people you can succeed the same way, it's like they've been beaten down to believe that somehow Norquist and Pags got the lucky stick, you know, the magic wand was tapped on her head, and we suddenly just had, had success. It doesn't work that way. We have literally taken the stories of success away. That's why you said it's such a big deal when somebody does get out. Um, why don't we look to people like Ben Carson? Look to people like you know Michael Jordan, who came from nothing 
And now our people who are very famous, they're very wealthy and successful. Why not go to them? Why do? Why are they uh, um, minimized? I know the left owns everything, academia, media, big tech, the whole thing. But these people's stories cannot be minimized. Look at how successful they are. Why don't we point at them more? Well, for just the reason you point out, the left wants to be able to expropriate property and income from successful people. Literally take it. Yes. And you can only do that if you first demonize them. Well, how do you demonize the person with three jobs, the person who takes care of their own family? You do what Obama did. The most pernicious thing that President Obama did was he said to small businessmen and women, you didn't build that. Yeah, crazy. You know, the government built roads. You know, the government built roads and Bill Gates drives on the same roads I do. Right. But Somehow he created Microsoft. It wasn't the roads. It wasn't the government stoplights that that did it. We all have that government behind us. But it is very important that successful people be seen as lucky rather than hardworking. Because we know if you're in the newspaper and they say somebody got a job or a new promotion, nobody calls that guy up for a loan. But somebody who wins the lottery gets 100 emails and phone messages saying, would you lend me 100 bucks? Because they don't think he really earned it. Right. What Obama and the Democrats want is for you to look at the guy who works three jobs and, and started at age 12 working and, and has a house and, and say, he didn't earn that. It's as if he got it in the lottery. That's what it was. He got it in the lottery. Yeah. He's just lucky. So it's okay to steal his stuff. Yeah, and people believe it. And you know why they believe it? Because they don't have the same stuff. And they don't believe that if you take the same steps that you'll make it to the same place. We're looking at a generation where a larger percentage than I ever remember really don't believe they, they can find success in America. And they think the word socialism is a positive. And then when you when you tell them, listen, if, if Norquist gets an A and Pags gets an F, can we give them both a C? Are you okay with that? And the answer is no. No, the person earned the A. Right. Yeah. That's the whole idea. Uh, Grover, are they being taught a, a, a misdefinition of the word socialism? Well, what they're not taught in school, grade school through high school, I've got uh, daughters in uh, ninth, eighth and ninth grade. Right. Uh, they don't have the history. They don't know that Adolf Hitler was a national socialist. Okay. They don't understand that Mussolini went to the first socialist international. They don't know that communism, the United USSR, um, uh, it killed tens of, of millions of people, right. including in Ukraine um, years ago. They're back at it again, but that the communists, the socialists, um, murdered millions of people, or in China, the tens of millions of people murdered by uh, the Communist Party there, the Socialist uh, Party there. Um, so w- we wonder, we hear socialist and we see Castro, you know, gunning down priests and and, and, and people that he didn't like in, in, uh, in Cuba. Right. They don't know what socialism means, and unfortunately, a lot of their teachers also went to public school and don't know what so the history of socialism is. It's so crazy to me. I had Yomi Park on the other day. She's the defector from North Korea, and she said that we're lucky. It's funny because the left will say, there are poor people. How can you have somebody with $5 billion and there's a poor person? Yomi said, you have the right, the freedom to be poor if you want to. In North Korea, they kill you. They make you disappear if you're on the streets and you're impoverished. And everybody's already impoverished, so you have to pretend like you're not, I guess. But but it, it, it opened my eyes to the fact that we have the ability, be poor if you want, live in the streets if you want, be a billionaire if you want. It's all about you're, you're applying yourself, finding out what you're good at, maybe being an entrepreneur or whatever. You can do that uniquely here in the United States. How do we let this generation, because what you just said is perfectly right. 
How do we let this generation know they're being lied to and we tell them the real definition of socialism without the, the very simple grades thing that I just said? Yeah. Parents have to talk to kids outside of school and make sure that they know what's going on. Read them some, some history books. Show them the history pictures. I remember my mother telling me she didn't believe in war, so I got a picture book of World War II to show it to her. <laughs> that she's yeah. missing. Right. But, you, know, you, um, you need to sit down with your kids and, and with your coworkers and remind them of things, because not reminding them if they never heard them. Uh, and too many public schools do just that. That's why it's so important that, that education savings accounts and charter schools and homeschooling are breaking up the public school monopoly and kids are learning more and better about real history. And the more people take that opportunity to go to private schools, parochial schools, homeschooling, charter schools, the more the regular government-run schools will have to improve to compete. Of course. It's, uh, it's Grover Norquist, ATR.org. I'm glad you went there. Let's go there. Uh, more and more states are saying yes to these savings accounts. More and more states are saying yes to school choice. This is the way it should be. School choice exponentially helps the lower income areas and the higher crime areas and the bad performing school areas uh, than, than any other area. These people will get an opportunity to send their kids to a school they never thought they could. This, I, I, why exactly would the left be against that? They're about lifting people up and they're about you know the high crime areas and fixing that and they're about the low income areas and fixing that. This really tells us who they are. They need them to go to public schools because public schools are indoctrinating them exactly how they want to. So I mean, am I right when I say this doesn't necessarily benefit the upper middle class or the upper class in America? This, this benefits the poor performing areas in, in this country country. Higher income people can afford to pay the taxes for government run schools and to pay for private schools and tutors. The people who are most damaged uh, are people who are low income, who can't possibly go to a non-government school because they can't afford to. Um, And I was just just the other day talking to a mayor of a significant American city who's a Democrat, as the Democrat Party is going to lose because African-Americans and Hispanic-Americans desperately want school choice and the option to get out of failed government schools into either charter schools or private schools or homeschooling and so on. And when that was threatened, Remember in Florida, they've had some school choice for a long time. Jeb Bush was working on it. All the Republican governors have been expanding on it. And most recently got expanded even more to everybody. Um, so, but uh, when the present governor of uh, Florida was running, he said, I'm going to protect school choice. And the Democrat who was running it, some an African-American liberal, yeah. said, take it away. There were somewhere on 50, 80,000 African-American votes that didn't show up for the Democrats and voted Republican. You're going, I wonder what that was. And what we learned was that was the mothers whose kids had school choice. They didn't want it taken away. The Democratic Party is either going to have to join the fight for school choice for all Americans, including their base. They fear they want the teachers union money and they they can tell poor people, you have to vote with us because of welfare. But if school choice is there, that's more important. Charter schools, more important to parents than welfare. That's the future of their kids. And the Democratic Party will come around eventually, but it may cost them 
a lot of elections between now and then. And the fact is, what you said earlier is true. Competition forces public schools to get better or else they have no chance of getting the funding. What's wrong with competing? Without Burger King, McDonald's might not be as good. Without uh, Pizza Hut, Domino's might not be as good. Competent without without you know, other people uh, at 6 o'clock Eastern, I might not work as hard. What's, what's wrong with competition? Nothing, right? Well, what, what's wrong with competition is there's no role for the government yes. to play in telling you that the reason you have low-cost food, competent education, better housing is because the free market does these things. They, they don't. Nobody votes for that for them because of the free market. They vote for them when they get a check. Yes, exactly right. Grover Norquist, the president, Americans for Tax Reform. Go to ATR.org, sign up for everything, check out all the articles. Thanks a million for coming on and explaining Cloward and Pivot. I think a lot of people want to know more about that because we're really actually living through their attempt yeah. to do that to us, and that was very, very well said. Thank you, Grover. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. All, right, all right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. Report dropped, and uh, when it did, it exonerated a bunch of people. It exposed a lot of people like Comey and McCabe and Clinton and, and just down the line. Um, and, and and you know, heads should roll. There should be a, a price to pay when you lie about what's going on when you're just trying to take somebody out who's a political opponent. There should be hell to pay. There, there certainly should be, and there hasn't been. But uh, George Papadopoulos was in the in the uh, the crosshairs. His now wife, Simona, who I've had on the show many times, was in the crosshairs. Trump and his family in the crosshairs, and they've been vindicated. I've got Simona on next hour. Do not touch that dial. Make sure you stick around for that. We talk about that, plus how the federal government now is going after her, saying that she somehow did a FARA violation because of an appearance she had on this show. Oh, yeah. Had a, an appearance on this show where she was talking about running for an office in Italy. She did it from Italy. And for some reason, this government is coming after her, alleging some sort of a Foreign Agent Registration Act violation. We talk about that as well. Very interesting conversation. Do not touch that dial. 888-941-PAGS, 888-941-7247, JoePags.com. Stop by there, click on Watch Now to see the show. The video will either be there or you can see it live as we do it. And also while you're there, click on Instagram. Go follow there too. Keep it here. Joe Pags.